We are in our final Sunday talking about this idea of generosity, and we've taken the last few weeks to talk about generosity because it's important. Because while we might think of the holiness of God or the, the love of God or maybe the, um, the strength of God, these, these characteristics that are common to our understanding of who God is, I think one that we can overlook is this idea of the generosity of God. And so we've looked at how God is generous and how he calls us to be generous. And today, we're going to do that one more time. So if you will stand with me, we're going to read from Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord to us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you, you are so generous to us. And God, I thank you that, that in your generosity, you invite us to treasure the right things. And Lord, I pray that as we set our hearts on you, as we seek to devote our lives to you, to loving you, to obeying you, to, to living in a way that would be considered honorable in your eyes, that, that generosity would flow. Because we understand that our treasure is not here on earth, our treasure not, is not found in our things or our stuff, but in, in the God who provides these things. God, I pray that we would be open-handed with the things of the earth and that we would seek to obtain what ultimately we would never be able to otherwise lose. Holy Spirit, we invite you and ask you to be with us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So this is it's a fairly simple teaching that Jesus gives. This, this falls right after the, the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus' is teaching. It's one of his first teachings. And he's talking about all kinds of things. He talks about giving to the needy. He talks about the Lord's Prayer. He talks about fasting. He talks about loving your enemies. And in all of these things, he's, he's at different angles kind of getting at this idea of what it looks to, like to devote your life to God. What does it look like for you to, to love God? And not just love him in word, not just to have, you know, God is great t-shirt or, or, you know, I've seen the God is dope t-shirts. Um, you know, it, it's not about your wardrobe necessarily or your, your words alone. It's about the way that you live your life out. And so here he gets at one of, really, one of the most central parts of our life, this idea of our treasure. And, and you know, it's interesting, if you, if you look at Jesus' teachings on money versus his teachings on, you know, fidelity, marriage, uh, sin. He, he teaches on money, by and large, much more than he does nearly any other topic. Because money gets at the heart of what we, what we value. Money really is a representation of the things that we value. It's, it's this idea of, of value. You can trade this this, this currency of value for something that you what? You value. And, and so we see in this text that, that he's drawing a very, what seems like a simple, but I believe to be a profound uh, comparison. 
He says in, in verse uh, 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Makes sense, right? We've heard that if you've been in church for any length of time. You know, you don't wanna, you wanna gather up treasures. What he's not saying here is, is don't make money, you know, don't be wealthy within and of itself. You know, there, there were people within the church who were wealthy and they funded the, the activities of the church. If you read in Acts, there were, there were wealthy individuals who were helping the church do things. They were paying for the, the work of the apostles. So it's not strictly about money, but it's this idea of laying up treasures and laying them up in a place where moth and rust can get at them. You know, in, in this time period, the idea of, of value would have been held in, in things like precious, precious metals and in in things like fine linens, fine cloths. So moth and rust, this passive idea of, of, of deterioration comes to mind. Jesus was saying, you know, don't put your stuff, don't put your valuables, don't, don't value things and hoard them. Right? We're familiar with this idea of hoarding. It's become kind of a, a topic of discussion and of entertainment, sadly, where we look at the lives of those individuals who, who we see in very stark terms they, they seek to improve, stabilize, bring security to their life by the things that they keep, whether it's newspapers or it's trinkets. And, and they, they keep these things. It's their, their treasure and their valuables. And, and Jesus says, don't, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. He goes on and he says this, but, but actually do this. Lay up for yourself, verse 20, treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Again, it sounds really simple until you start to think about it, right? So what, what he isn't saying though is take your gold bullion, take your gold bricks and put them in a FedEx box and send them to heaven, right? How many of you know that you can't, there's no address to heaven where you know, you die and you get there, okay, good, my gold bullion, or, you know, my collection of whatever, fine china, or my, you know, for me, my books. I got my nice books that they look good on my, my shelves, but I don't read. Or I read some of them. He says, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, but, but the question is, what do, you, what do you mean, Jesus? What does it look like for us to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven? And I, I was curious because if you read commentators, they'll say things like living a good life and, and developing a character that you can take on into the next life. And I think that's true, right? We, can, we can't take our food, we can't take our clothes, we can't take our, our valuables, we can't take our friends, we can't take those things to heaven. We can take us. And so as we grow in a righteous character, as we become more like Jesus and less like our sinful selves, we take that into, into heaven, so certainly that's, that's part of the treasure. When we share our faith with our friends and family and coworkers, when we tell people about what Jesus has done on the cross, how he died for our sins, and he rose again defeating Satan, sin, and death, offering new life to anyone who would trust in him, when, when people put their faith in him, we get to take the, that person into heaven with us, right? But when I looked in Matthew, one, one thing that was interesting is when I, I, I searched for heaven, and, and it would, by and large, there were, there were like three mentions of angels in heaven. And they weren't like weird. It was just like, you know, where the angels are in heaven. Just an expression. Uh, it talks about um, uh, you'll receive a reward for persecution in chapter 5. 
in heaven. So there's some idea of this reward that we receive when we stand for our faith in the face of people who are opposing us. But by and large, when Matthew talks about heaven, he talks about presence with the Father. In fact, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, I didn't count beforehand, uh, at least over 12, over 12 expressions of, of the Father who is in heaven. That's, that's a phrase that if you were to read Matthew, you see it over and over and over, or heavenly Father. So there's this idea that what's in heaven? The Father. And I preached a sermon on Wednesday, and one of the things that I talked about was this idea that the God's presence is what he's been trying to bring to his people from Genesis to now. In Genesis, we see that Adam and Eve are, uh, they're together, right? And who's there with him, with them? God. You guys can respond. I believe in you. <laughs> Not Bill from accounting. It was God, right? God was with them. This was a, ne- I said it was a nexus. It was a, it was a connection point between heaven and earth where, where God's presence was felt. In the same way, Moses is, is commanded to build this, this tabernacle, it's a fancy word for a tent, a gigantic tent, so that what would happen? So that he could meet with who? God. Okay, some, some confidence, that's okay. He could meet with God. It was the place where God could be present with his people. Then Solomon builds the temple so that the people of God could meet with who? God. Awesome. So that the people of God could meet with God. And here in Matthew, we see that our ultimate treasure is found in the presence of our Father. It's found in the presence of God. You you may not think of it that way, but but when you begin to think about the fact that that God loves you, that in Christ he, He saves us, and why does He save us? He doesn't just save us because we're like, well, that's what I do. No, He saves us in order that He might adopt us and have relationship with us. We are adopted as what? Sons of God. And, and the reason the term is, is sons and not just sons and daughters is because sons in that time received an inheritance. God wants to give us an inheritance. God wants to give you an inheritance. He wants to treat you like he treats his firstborn son. He wants to treat you like someone who's in the family. You know, when I was in middle school, I had a friend, um, a guy named Drew, and... And this is, one, this is one of those friends where, you know, their parents start to budget for you in their food. And I remember they, this was in, in Dale City and there was a BJ's right by. And they would, they would buy um, ice cream sandwiches. So I always knew that at Drew's house, there were ice cream sandwiches in the freezer. And they didn't tell me no. So I was a teenager, ice cream sandwich, I was always eating ice cream sandwiches. And, and in one sense, they almost treated me like someone in their family. When it was pizza night, it wasn't like, pizza night here, you can have a slice, but okay, Eddie's coming, let's, let's get another pizza, right? I remember being, you know, five or six, and I had, it was me, and we were in Alabama, so it was like, there was a road, and then there was just like, country. And I had a friend, Mason Crumpler, and now this friend, I mean, he was... He, he got to have, um, was it Cookie Crunch for breakfast? Like, I, I don't remember what I had for breakfast as a kid, but it wasn't Cookie Crunch. I wasn't eating cookies and milk. I loved the crumplers. 
I remember telling my parents, God bless them, that I wanted to be a crumpler. I realize now as a father how, how wounding that might feel. I want you to be a crumpler too. Get out of here. Go get a job. I'm five. Stop mouthing off. And that's what it feels like to be part of the family, and that's what God does for us. God wants us to be in the family. And because of that, he's our treasure in heaven. Jesus goes and he, and he says, don't, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Seek the treasures in heaven. Why, Jesus? He answers us in verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, the things that we treasure or that we value they communicate something about what we desire. The things that we treasure, the things that we value, communicate something about what we desire. Your heart is tied to your treasure. If you treasure your stuff, your heart is invested in accumulation, protection, preservation of your stuff. You know, it's the difference between breaking a, a mug that, that, you know, it was a, it's a Father's Day mug, Dad's, and you're like, oh, I'm so sad that it broke. But it's that unwanted mug versus the, the, the piece of fine china that, that has been passed down generation after generation after generation, and it breaks, and you weep for the, the legacy that has now been lost. Right? When you value stuff... You preserve it. You, you desire to, to accumulate and protect it. But if you treasure God and the things of God, you're, you're free to use your stuff to serve God. You know, John Piper, he's a, he's a relatively famous pastor. One of the things that he, he harp, well, not harps on, one of the things he says passionately and repeats is that God gives you X. God gives you money. God gives you a, a job. God gives you uh, Property. God gives you uh, uh, things that you can own, possessions, so that you can show that your possessions aren't God, but God is. Your, your valuables aren't what you love, but God is. And when we, when we treasure God, when you and I treasure God, when we embrace the fact that he wants us to be part of the family, then we can begin to take the things that we have and use them in a way that says, these aren't my valuables. These aren't my treasures. God is. You know, we were made to treasure God. Again, if we were to go to, to Genesis, and, and, and if we could just sneak up like, like a documentary film crew and just watch what was going on. Adam and Eve, they lived in this lush garden. There were all kinds of trees with various plants and and, and, and fruit, and, and they had no need. Can you imagine having no need? The temperature is, is wonderful. You know, they're, they're married, they're together, there's no need for clothes, they've got food, there's no need for, for work, or, or there's no need, rather, for um, hard labor. They were working, they were, they were cultivating that garden, but they weren't working hard, they weren't working fruitlessly. They were fulfilled, and they were in the presence of, of God. They were in the presence of their maker, in the presence of their, their father. And they, they treasured God. Things were in alignment, right? They, they were living the way they should have. 
And when sin entered into the world, when, when Adam and Eve were tempted and, and they chose to listen to a, a snake instead of listening to God, the, the idea of treasure, it, it, it shifted. And they treasured, they treasured their own autonomy, their own ability to, to make decisions. They treasured themselves and, and their own sense of defining their own destiny over God. And in Romans, it talks about that, that there's an exchange for the glory of God, for the glory of stuff. We were made to treasure God. You were made to treasure God. There's this church father, Augustine, or Augustine, I'm not sure how you should say it. If you've, if you've grown up in, in the Catholic church or in a, maybe a, a high church tradition, you might have heard of this man, but he was a, he was a church father. And, and one famous quote that he makes in his autobiography is he says this, you have made us for yourselves and our heart is restless until it rests in you. See, the, the problem with setting your heart on stuff is that your heart was never meant to be fulfilled by stuff. And, and we are restless. I mean, that's, that's why you can never have enough, rich or poor. You can never have enough stuff if you're seeking for stuff to fulfill what only God can fulfill. And the interesting thing is, when you don't value stuff, but when you value God, you can be rich or poor and you can still be content. Paul talks about it. I have, I've found what it means to be content, whether in, in, in rich provision or, or in poverty. I can do all things through what? Through Christ who strengthens me. That is not, that's not a quote to go on the back of a basketball t-shirt. That speaks of God's, God's care for us and our contentment within his provision. We were made to treasure God. You know, there was this man, uh, Jim Elliott. You may, you may be familiar with him. Um, maybe you read about, from his wife, Elizabeth Elliott. She's, she's written a few book, books. She's, she's kind of a big deal. Um, I commend her writings to you. I haven't read them, but my wife has. I don't know. What, anyways, what's called Passion and Purity. I, it was a thing that was like, if you're a young lady and you're not married, read this book. But she was, she was married to Mr. Jim Elliott, and they were passionate people. And he was a passionate missionary. This was happening. He, he was pursuing missions in a season where there was this move of God to, to do some things. We were moving away from uh, the early 1900s where the church had kind of done this. There, was, there were a lot of teachings in the church or outside the church that said, you know, the Bible's not real, uh, the, the, the stories of the Bible are mythical, and, and God is not real. And so the church kind of did this, and they said, you know, we're going to keep and hold on to the truth, and we're going to step away from culture. But then in the 50s, you, guys, you got guys like uh, Billy Graham, and, then, and this guy comes, and there's this move of God to get back into the culture, to get back into the world. And so he was passionate about missions and felt a call to Ecuador. So he went with a number of guys to Ecuador to reach this Native American population that had been previously unreached, never been reached. And on January 8th, 1956, he was martyred along with four other missionaries in pursuit of treasures in heaven. 
And that was in 1956. Now, we have, we have copies of his journal, and on October 28th, there's a quote from his journal that, that says, I lost the quote, here we go. It says this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep, stuff, ultimately life, to gain that which he cannot lose, eternal life devoted to the God, eternal life devoted to the Father who is your treasure in heaven. And what's interesting about this is he wrote it, I think seven years before he was martyred, just in his journal. This was a man who was so focused on this idea of treasuring God that he, in his own personal thoughts, this was prior to blogs. This wasn't a blog post that he's trying to build a platform and, hey guys, this is tweetable, all right? This wasn't TikTok, you know, the 30-second whatever. No, he's just, he's just reflecting on the nature of God the value of life, and he, he values rightly when he says that he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep in order to gain that which he cannot lose. And he lived his life generously. He went to people who didn't deserve anything from him, who didn't have anything to offer him, who weren't even really interested in him being there, and he offered all that he had all that he had. And why did he do it? Because that's what his daddy does. God the Father, he, he loves us, and what does he do? He shows us his love in this way. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world. That, that doesn't speak of, of the, the breadth or the greatness of God's love, although God's love is great. It talks about the specific way that he loves us. How does he show us his love? For us. He's generous. He gives. What does he give? The most valuable thing he can give, his son. So that whoever would have faith in him would not die but have eternal life. Jim Elliot was generous because he didn't value stuff, that which he could not keep. He valued his father, that which he could not lose. God is generous to us in this way as well. And, and as we think about generosity, I just want to encourage you, at the end of the day, this isn't about money. Now money, it's, it's, a, it's a lagging statistic. It's a lagging marker, right? When we look at our money, it, it shows us what we already know about our heart. It, it shows us that there's something that we value and it's either God or it's, it's stuff. And, and today, I want to encourage you that, that God is worthy of your affections. God is worthy of your love. God is worthy of your life. God is worthy to be treasured. And, and as we reflect on this, we can look at our lives and say, okay, where is my treasure? Where is my heart? You can look at your bank statement. Where is my treasure? Where is my heart? Look at your relationships. Where is my treasure? Where is my heart? Look at your profession. Where is my treasure? Where is my heart? And God invites you to, 
to realign your life, treasuring the right things so that you might receive the right things. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. Father, we thank you that you love us. God, I thank you that that you offer eternal life to us because of your own generosity. That there's nothing in us that makes us worthy of, of, of being counted right, of, of having our sins taken away, of receiving your love and being adopted into your family and called one of your own. There's nothing within our, our own lives that we can say, that's, because, that's why. But it's because of your grace toward us, your, your unmerited favor, favor, your willingness to, to love people who are otherwise undeserving and unloving. God, I thank you for your generosity. I pray that you would help us to, to treasure the right things. Some of you, this means repenting of, of trusting in and treasuring the wrong things. And maybe, maybe you, don't, you don't feel like you're, you're Scrooge McDuck and you've got a room full of stuff. Maybe there are things that really have captivated your heart and those things have led you to live a particular way that is out of line with the way that God calls you to live. And today is an opportunity for you to respond, for you to repent. It's as simple as saying, God, I, I, I want to value things rightly and to open up your hands, metaphorically speaking. Letting God have authority over your stuff and your life. You know, if you're in this room and, and you've never trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never put your trust in God, I think Augustine's right when he says that our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And today is an opportunity to put your heart in the hands of your Father. You can trust God. You can receive forgiveness because of the work of his son. And you can live a life knowing that you have treasure in heaven. If that's you, if you want to put your trust in God as your Lord and Savior, if you're online, you can just click the link to talk to one of our hosts. If you're in here, you can just put your hand up in the air. I'll pray for you. If you're online, you can pray this. Or if you're in the room. God, I want to turn away from everything I know to be sin, everything I know to be disobedience. I want to stop living that way. I want to follow you. Thank you that you forgive me, not because of anything I do, but because of the work of your son, Jesus Christ. I receive your forgiveness and your eternal life, and I ask for you to help me live in a way that pleases you because you're my father and you love me. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you, family.